The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter, verses 21 through 28. Glory to you, O Lord. This morning our Gospel comes from St. Mark, chapter 1, verse 21 through 28, and is found on page 1552 of your Pew Bible. Mark records, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching? And with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you know what this is? It's a, it's a remote control, basically, right? It unlocks the door of my car. I would have brought in my TV remote, but I don't know where it is. You know, I heard something kind of funny about smartphone. If the smartphone was really smart, it would answer me after I said, where are you? And it would say, I'm underneath the couch. But a remote control. And, and remote controls are kind of a cool thing. Um, they haven't been around for a long time. Uh, back in the 60s, some of my family had them, and they made this clicking sound, you know, and I don't know, almost like a spark, you know, lighter type of a thing. My dad always had remote controls. Um, they were called Bill and Ken. But uh, remote controls today are amazing, aren't they? Um, uh, you know, you, you, you subscribe to some sort of a service, and this remote will, it'll, you can play several different pictures, uh, different channels. I can't, but um, the kids can. And um, you can adjust the volume, or you can record things, or you can pause it. That We have a joke in our house that I don't think is very funny because I'm the brunt of it, but um, apparently I said, you can't pause live TV, and, and um, you know, I, that, that concept didn't really, I mean, it's really kind of, kind of, you know, simple, but anyway, yeah, so um, remote controls do all kinds of things. It, they, it's kind of like you have this, this power in your hands, and, and there's even universal remote controls that, that give you control of your thermostat, and I mean, it's some pretty cool stuff. You can get your smartphone, and from here, if I had it, uh, you could, I could you know, turn the heat on or turn the lights on and all that kind of stuff. It's a pretty remarkable thing. 
But in the Bible lesson today, we see Jesus, and Jesus showed his amazing control of everything around him. It was the Sabbath day, so Jesus, as he was accustomed to doing, went to the synagogue and began to teach. And there was this man that was possessed uh, by an evil spirit, and when Jesus came by, you know, the man cried out. We just read that, or you just heard that. He says, what do you want, Jesus? And he identifies him. You're the son of God. And Jesus says, shh. I'm not allowed to say shut up in church. He says, Be quiet right? And, and uh, it came out of the man with a shriek, power, control. The Bible tells us that the people were amazed. They looked at one another and they asked, what's going on here? This guy, uh, evil spirits, obey his orders. You see, there was power in the words that Jesus spoke that day. On that day, Jesus came in and, and took control of the life of that man that was possessed. And his life would never be the same. Now here's the thing. Jesus wants to be in control of my life and your life too. He wants to be in control of the plans that you make, the words that you say, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. He wants to be in control of the things you do and the places you go. Why? Why? Well, it's not because he's a control freak. <laughs> you know, my 12-year-old is beginning to think I am. But the Bible tells us that God has a plan for us, and it is a good plan. It's the best plan under his management. Remember we talked about that when under our self-management, how do we do? Not as well as when we're under his management. God has a plan for us and if we seek that plan, then good things are awaiting for us. If we hand over the remote, that is our pride with humility, we hand over our sin, we hand over everything and give control to Jesus, he will put us on the right path. That's his promise. Now, here's the problem. We heard today a couple of uh, admonitions to be wise and to, to not think that you're all that. It, it seems that uh, this season, the question that comes up is, who do you think you are? And I need to ask myself that often. Ken Whitney, who do you think you are? You know, and, and if I'm being honest, uh, I, I can dress myself down pretty well. I'm, I'm, a, I'm just like you. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Nothing more, nothing less. When I'm not thinking right, I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof and stunningly handsome. If I say I'm without sin, I deceive myself and the truth is not in me. You see how this works? But if I repent, God who is faithful and just will forgive my sins. But here's the problem, and it's a problem with not just me, it's not a problem with you, it's a problem with mankind. And in Psalm 14, this is brutal, but I'm gonna read it. The fool says there is no God. Psalm 14, David wrote, The fool says in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. 
They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good. Not even one. Are you kind of wiggling in your seats a little bit? I did yesterday when I read that with our men's group. I'm like, wow, that's, I guess that's true. That didn't feel very good. How does that feel? You try that on. Yeah. They have no knowledge. All the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord. There they are in great terror, for God is the generation of the righteous. You should shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. So that's the problem. We're, we're human. We're, we're fools. Some, many, say there is no God. But in Deuteronomy, our reading this morning, the Lord made a promise, and he says, I'm going to rise up a prophet for you, just for you. And there were some pretty strict standards there. The prophet, you heard that part. I sure did as a pastor. I'm not a prophet. But if you preach any other gospel than the one that I have preached, says Paul, let that man be accursed. God in the, it, it says through the prophet in Deuteronomy that uh, if they uh, preach or speak for a little g God, an idol, they shall die. If they say anything other than his word, they shall die. I mean, this, God's serious about this. But he makes this promise that he is going to rise up a prophet. We find out also today in Mark that Jesus, unlike the prophets, Jesus spoke with authority. The prophets spoke, God spoke through them. They spoke his words to him, to, to the people. But Jesus spoke with authority. How? Why? Because Jesus is God, right? God who became man and walked amongst us. The word became incarnate and walked amongst us. Authority. He came down. He is the promised Messiah, the one who came and knows us, the one that dwelled amongst fools that denied him. And yet he proclaimed God's word, the gospel, proclaimed it. He knew it. He is it with authority. So much authority that even the demons ran away when they saw him. But still, we have a tendency to be stiff-necked. Not anyone here, because I'm looking at a bunch of believers, right? Baptized believers. You've been, through unlikely means, sanctified, justified. Not on your own, but through the water, simple means. Water, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. You've been sanctified and justified through your confession and absolution. Not by your own deeds, but by his authority, correct? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, your sins have all been forgiven. Yet still, we know people that aren't buying it. Maybe they grew up in it and they've gotten enlightened somewhere and um, they, uh, they don't buy it anymore. Well, I listened to a story the other day. This man is a retired uh, police officer. He was a detective. 
And he says, my experience with, uh, with Christians was really, was underwhelming. He says, when I was in the force, the believers that were on the force were pretty easy to uh, trip up. You know, they were Christians, they said they were Christians, but I could ask them questions, and they didn't have an answer as to why they believe what they believe. So that was kind of comical for me, he admitted. And he says, and then the other group of Christians that I uh, came in contact were about to go to prison. So I didn't have a really great witness there. So this man's faithful wife says, all right, we're going to church. And he said, I don't want to go. And he says, no, you're going, we're going to church. So he went to a little bitty church down in South Orange County, it kind of goes against that, that mountain down there. You know, it's a little itty-bitty church. Okay, now you're laughing. No, it's not a little itty-bitty church. Um, but right against the Saddleback Mountain is a church, and the pastor that spoke that day, uh, this detective says, wow, he really hit me. He says, I was listening to him, and he started about talking about Jesus and how Jesus was a smart guy. He says, I like smart guys, so I listened. And so when I went back, he goes, I can't believe it, but I bought a Bible. And it was one of those red-letter Bibles. And he says, I went and read through it, all the parts that were written in red. And what I found was this evidence that strings along to prove that Christ is who he said he is. He says, now I'm a detective. And my job is to find as many bits of evidence to string them together so that there is no other conclusion with a reasonable doubt that this is what happened or this is what this means. Hundreds of pieces of evidence and then that's what I take to the court and they convict somebody because there were more than a hundred pieces of evidence in this. I could come to no other conclusion than Jesus is who he says he is and let me tell you there's nobody more shocked than me and I became a follower of Christ because the evidence was overwhelming. Do you remember what the psalmist said? <clears throat> I read that earlier. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. This man was a fool. But he got in the word. And the word, the authority of the word, changed him. And now, I guess you could say he's a fool for Christ because the world would look at him that way but I'll bet you he's got a powerful ability to string along all of these little bits of evidence to those that would like to know what his reason where he hangs his hope now where does that leave you and I well here's the thing God uses unlikely people to forward his word to to proclaim his word look at me this wasn't uh, something that was in my yearbook, most likely to become a preacher. just wasn't. <laughs> you guys are laughing. You know, you know that's true. Unlikely means. But let's look at Paul. I'm no Paul, but, you know, Paul is pretty good at persecuting uh, Jews and persecuting Christians. And Paul turned out to be one of the most important and influential, influential apostles that, that, that there was. And the letters that he wrote with boldness and the suffering that he went through. It's amazing. God uses unlikely people. And it's not about the people. It's about God. And it's about his authority that flows through them. 
So, when I ask you today what your favorite Bible verse is, I really, I mean it. I want to I wanna know what your favorite Bible verse. And I want you to be able to be prepared to give me a, what they used to call an elevator speech. A why? Mine's Matthew 3, 15 through 17. Baptism of Jesus. Why? Because he had to be baptized. He said why? To John. John didn't want to do it. John couldn't see any sin in him. He says, no, nah, we have to do this to fulfill all righteousness, to fulfill what the prophets were saying, to fulfill what the word of God had said earlier. That's the first part of it. And I love how he went down in the water and the Holy Spirit came down upon him. That assures me, uh, and other verses as well, but that the Holy Spirit is imparted on us in our baptism, power, authority. And what I really love, because I love being a dad, I love my father, and I love God the Father, that he said, Behold, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Those are comforting to me. Think about it. What's your favorite verse? Be prepared to give that to somebody that asks. It doesn't have to, uh, doesn't have to be long. But pick one that speaks to you. It's just that important. Because in the end, when we come here towards the end of our service, we will partake in some more simple means so that we will partake of the bread and the wine that's combined with the word you will be served by an evil priest uh, outside of God that's what I am but clothed in Christ and it doesn't matter of my evilness or your unworthiness the means there you are taking in salvation you are taking in forgiveness of sins. You are being made new by what Christ did. He is in, on, above, below, and on either side of this sacrament. And then you remember, after the words of institution, what I say, and sometimes I really, you know, punch that word. You proclaim Christ's death and resurrection and his triumphant coming again. Unusual means, least likely to proclaim, right? Maybe. No, you. You have that boldness that was given to you by God through his Holy Spirit. Use it. Use it. Be contagious in encouraging to the others that need it. That's what happens in our, in our uh, grief group. There's contagious enthusiasm and contagious encouragement I'd like you to go give somebody that bug. In the name of Jesus, amen.